Hello, and welcome to the course. I'm your host today, Julie, and I'm speaking with Professor Kristen Schilt from the Sociology Department at the University of Chicago. Professor Schilt's research focuses on the sociology of gender and sexualities, the sociology of culture, and the sociology of work and occupations. She recently published a book called Other, Please Specify, Queer Methods in Sociology, and she is working on a historical sociology book titled Conceptualizing Agnes, Exemplary Cases and Disciplines of Gender. This book is part of a larger collaboration with multimedia artist Chase Joint, and the book is accompanied by a documentary film titled Framing Agnes, which debuted at Sundance in 2022. Professor Schultz is here today to talk to us about her career path and how she became a University of Chicago professor. Can you start us off with a general overview of your career path from college years to arriving as a professor at the University of Chicago? Sure, absolutely. So I started off as an undergraduate student at the University of Texas in Austin. And in my junior year, I discovered sociology and was immediately hooked, uh, majored in sociology. I went on to get a master's degree in sociology at UT Austin and then um, transferred to get my PhD at the University of California, Los Angeles, all in sociology. And after getting my PhD, I went to Rice University for two years as a postdoctoral fellow in the sociology department there and then received an offer to become an assistant professor in the sociology department here at the University of Chicago. And can you give me uh, a brief overview of your field and what you study as a professor? Sure. So I'm uh, a sociologist of gender and sexuality, and uh, this has always been my interest. So when I was an undergraduate, I was really interested in um, gender inequality, racial inequality, other forms of kind of social inequality. And sociology really provided for me a way to think structurally about inequality that I think I was missing. And so my research has always focused on the ways in which um, people naturalize beliefs about gender, particularly about men and women, sometimes about transgender people and cisgender people or non-transgender people, and how these reproduce forms of inequality that we start to take for granted or see as natural, such as, you know, the gender gap in pay that still persists, particularly for women of color, um, or ideas of what men are good at, what women are good at, which, you know, sometimes we use to explain why we still so see so few women in the sciences or in engineering compared to men. You mentioned that this was a topic of interest of yours from a younger age. And I want to go back to even before college. What were some of the things you were interested in as a teenager, as a child, that you can see really echo where your career has ended up? What were some of those early formative interests for you? Sure. I mean, these aren't very academic, but, um, you know, as a young teenager um, and a college student, I was really involved in kind of punk and goth scene. And in college, I became pretty heavily involved in a kind of radical feminist subculture that was coming out of punk called Riot Girl. And, you know, it really spoke to me in terms of thinking about how to frame issues of like gender inequality and misogyny and sexism. And, you know, to do that through a form that I was really attached to, which in this case was like punk music. And when I went to college, um, you know, it didn't occur to me that those two things could kind of align as a project, but I ended up meeting this great professor who's still very much part of my life now at the University of Texas uh, named Christine Williams. 
And, you know, my junior year came to talk to her about, you know, my interest in Riot Girl and like radical feminist punk scenes. And she suggested that I could potentially write a BA thesis on this topic, which really kind of changed the direction of my life. I think that I was able to see like how I could do sociology research on something that was of interest to me. And that, you know, honestly, I was someone who knew a lot about compared to, you know, sociology professors or something. And so that was really empowering for me. And I ended up publishing three different articles that started in that BA thesis um, before I started graduate school. Before you had that experience with um, the professor who encouraged you to write the thesis and encouraged you to think about this more academically, did you have a sense of what you wanted it to be when you grew up? What was what were your career aspirations when you were in high school or starting college? Yeah, you know, I really didn't. I think I had more of a sense of what I didn't want to be. You know, I think my father was very hopeful that I would go to law school, not because I had any interest in law, but I think he was like, that's a good career. <laughs> you know, it's something where you can make money and you can support yourself. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of role models of like what people did. I feel like, and it wasn't something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, I'm really amazed at like how my students today know so much more about what they want to do and all these different kinds of options. And I think I was more like, well, you know, I'm going to go to college and then I'll see, you know, I'd kind of imagined I might go to grad school. And once I started college, you know, I really loved a lot of the professors in my life. I mean, UT is a huge school. I mean, it's 25,000 undergraduates or something. But, you know, I still was able to make connections with faculty and, you know, felt very excited about what we might call here the life of the mind or getting to spend time with ideas. But I didn't really have, like, even in graduate school, I wasn't entirely sure that I was going to become a sociology professor. So it was really a, a learning experience for me in terms of thinking about what did I like about academia, you know, what did I like about sociology? What kind of skills did I want to do? And how did I want to spend my life basically as an adult? Is there a moment or a series of moments where becoming a sociology professor started to feel like a tangible career path for you? What what started to shift when you were in grad school? Yeah. So I think in grad school, I tried out a lot of other things that people sometimes do with sociology PhDs. So I worked at a nonprofit for a while while I was in grad school, and that didn't quite seem like the right fit for me. And then I started doing market research, which is something, you know, now I think people do more like user experience research, but um, it's something that people often do with sociology PhDs. And, you know, that was very lucrative. Like as a grad student, I was kind of amazed at how much money I could make for something that didn't seem that difficult to do, but it was really kind of soul-crushingly boring to me. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really until I started uh, as a teaching assistant at UCLA. So, you know, we do a lot more teaching there as graduate students than we do at the University of Chicago. And so the first time I was a TA, I was responsible for 90 of my own students and I taught them you know, once a week in a section as a, in, in addition to the fact that they were coming to class. And so it's really kind of a boot camp for teaching. You're teaching three different session sections, you know, with 25 to 30 students in each um, as a grad student. And I found that I really loved teaching. Like that was the part of what, you know, being a professor, I wasn't able to access until then that there was really a great joy in that for me of working with students and getting to share ideas with them and getting to hear their ideas and I think once I realized that I enjoyed teaching as much as I did, I became more interested in being a sociology professor. Yeah. 
You mentioned in particular the one professor in undergrad who was really influential to you, but I'd like to talk um, maybe about that professor, about other professors um, or other mentors you've had who have been some of the influential people in your career who have really shaped you professionally or even shaped you personally. You know, I'm someone who has been lucky to be sort of well mentored by faculty. And I think that's because I work in the sociology of gender and I typically work with people who identify as feminists and see mentoring as an important part of what you're doing with students. And so I do feel like, you know, compared to some of, you know, some friends that I've had who also went to grad school, I did have a very strong set of mentors who were always a great resource for me. And I think always made clear to me, like, it would be great if you want to be a sociology professor, but, you know, we're going to support you in what you want to do. I want you to be happy. And I think that's such an important part of mentoring, particularly in graduate school, um, of realizing that people, you know, have different ideas about what they want to do. But, you know, I think that person who had a really huge influence on me would have been my older sister, who, when I was an undergrad, was getting a PhD in English language and literature. So to have somebody who had, you know, navigated grad school right before me, who I was very close to, who was, you know, a feminist and really where I learned about feminism as a young person (laughs) was great. I mean, she was just someone I could always check with and ask questions about things. Um, And, you know, I would say my father as well. My father also um, is a professor and he was really a great person to check things out, you know, like what are the etiquette of talking to faculty? (laughs) How do I navigate this kind of situation? And so I think both of them were incredibly helpful. And then, you know, professors I had in undergrad and in grad school were just amazingly helpful to me. Are there any moments in your career path that felt challenging or like you were met with resistance or, or doubted yourself? Tell me about times that were challenging between when you were young and getting to where you are now and and how did you grapple with them or how are you still grappling with them? I think anyone who goes to grad school, you know, the time where you hit the job market is always stressful and hard. And, you know, the academic job market, you can't control it. You can't control, you know, it's, it's tied to shifts in the market. So after the financial crash in 2007, the job market got really terrible and it kind of came back and, you know, so it ebbs and flows. And, you know, I don't think I was particularly nervous about the job market when I went on. I mean, no no more so than anybody else. But my dissertation work was on the workplace experiences of transgender people. And at the time, like in the, you know, in 2008, um, it was considered pretty radical and strange to a lot of sociology, which I hadn't anticipated because I had a very supportive dissertation committee. And I was you know working with a lot of trans and queer professors, um, and so it wasn't really considered strange at UCLA. But what we might consider sort of mainstream sociology was a little bit shocked by it. And so I went on the market my first year and didn't get a job, and really thought, "Wow, like I might not get to be a professor." <laughs> like I hadn't really thought about it in that way. And so I was lucky to get that postdoc at Rice at the last minute, and you know was able to finish my program in six years and go be a postdoc. You know, the next year I was successful on the job market, but, you know, that was a big setback. I mean, I really did start to think like, well, maybe I should be looking into alternative career paths because I might not get the thing I thought I was going to do. You talked about how teaching uh, when you were in graduate school and teaching uh, students made you really realize that becoming a professor was something that you were interested in. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What is 
fulfilling or inspiring about teaching? Why was that something that you wanted to pursue further? I think there's something really useful as like an academic to be with people who are coming to ideas for the first time. Like, so, you know, I've read so much sociology of gender. I know a lot about it. Like, And to be able to teach information that might be really familiar to me, to a new group of people who are coming to it for the first time, I think reminds me why I was interested in this topic or what feels important about it to me. You know, very, you know, I like to do assignments where students are doing their own kind of empirical research and it's just great to see the creativity and the interest that people bring to these projects. And, you know, it's something that even if I feel sort of stuck on my own writing or, you know, there's something that feels hard in my own life, you know, being in a room with students really kind of livens me up. You know, like it reminds me of like the excitement that I felt as like a freshman, you know, coming to classes for the first time. And so I think there's something really rewarding about that and exciting to see, you know, people's ideas and, you know, you never know what students are going to bring to the class. And that's just a very exciting and engaging experience. What are some of the other parts of your job, particularly your job right now as a professor at the University of Chicago? What are other parts of your job that you enjoy besides the interactions with students? What do you like about your job? Well, you know, I do love the fact that you know, a large part of my job is about doing research and reading books, which is something that I love to do. So it's amazing to have a job where that's actually part of what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, currently for the last six years, I've directed the Center for the Study of Gender and Sexuality on campus, which is a research hub that provides resources to faculty and students who are working on, you know, interdisciplinary issues of gender and sexuality. And so I've been able to, you know, help fund people's research, you know, get to know graduate students and faculty across lots of different departments and parts of the university and do programming for campus and that's been really rewarding. You know, I have a three-person staff who I love to work with, and we have an undergraduate major. So it really is just a joy to get to kind of come to work and work on issues of gender and sexuality. Like, even if we're like fundraising or, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, use our resources effectively, it really feels like a great kind of feminist project that we're all engaging together. Is there anything about your job that you don't love that is maybe like tedious or boring, just less fun? What are the things <laughs> about your job that uh, are not as great? You know, I think one thing that I didn't realize when I became a professor, you know, once you get tenure, you spend a lot of time in meetings, you know, so you're on a lot of different committees. And, you know, I think those committees are often really important. Like I've been on the committee to revise the um sexual consent policy on campus, which felt really important to me, or um, to check our policies about, you know, trans-affirming care and the insurance packages that people have. But, you know, I spend a lot of time in committee meetings. And, you know, so I have less time with students. Um, you know, when you direct a center, you typically teach less. And so I have less time in the classroom and more time in meetings. And, you know, again, I think the work is important, but it's not always, you know, the most exciting thing to do with your life to be in that many meetings. Yeah, I can understand that. What would you say inspires your work at the moment? I, I'm thinking both in your research and maybe as a, as a teacher and someone who advises students or sits on committees. What would you say is the thing that feels most inspirational for you right now? 
mean, I think my my own work and the work that I want to support my students in doing, I see it as all engaged on thinking about how to kind of shift like forms of structural inequality. You know, I'm really interested in work that can show us how what feel like these kind of taken for granted truisms about the world are actually cultural beliefs that are reproducing forms of inequality. And so I'm really excited about the potential of sociology to bring data and evidence to bear in debates. You know, when I'm teaching in the classroom, I often have students who will say to me, you know, I've always felt that gender inequality is a problem, but I've never had the language to argue this with somebody who's telling me, oh, no, it's fine. Women have a great time. You know, they're totally fine. That was something from the 50s. And sociology provides a kind of way to have an argument where you have evidence that you can bring to bear. And that was something that was really important to me as a young person when I first encountered sociology. And I think it's something that continues to be important for my students. I know you are working on a book, and as part of the book, there is also a film that premiered at Sundance last year. Can you tell me a bit about the role that multimedia work plays in your work, the way that multimedia art plays in your work? What, what has that experience been like, and what does, how does that deepen your, your work and your research? Sure. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, if you went back and told me in grad school that I would make a film, I would be shocked, I have to tell you. It was something that really was only possible by being at the University of Chicago. And I was able to get a grant from the Gray Center for Arts and Inquiry here on campus that funded me to work with an artist of my choice for a year. And so I worked with Chase Joint, who's a multimedia artist, who was actually in the first class that I ever TA'd as a graduate student. He was an undergrad at UCLA, and we've been friends and collaborators ever since. And both of us work in trans studies very broadly. And it was through that collaboration and that grant that we were able to do the research that's going to become the basis of this book, and that became the film. And I'm so excited about the potentials of multimedia work in academia because we are facing a situation where for better or for worse, people are reading less and less, right? Like academic books are selling fewer copies and people are more engaged in multimedia forms of, of collaboration, but also ways of knowing. And so um, I'm really interested in thinking about, you know, not just me, but other academics. How can you take your research and think about putting it in other formats in addition to a book, right? We do write books. That's what we love to do. You know, that's what the university expects us to do. But you know, it was clear to me, I mean, the film is and the book are about transgender history from the 50s, and more people are going to see that film than are going to read an academic book. Like, that's just the fact of the world. And so, you know, I'm really committed these days to thinking about how to bring to life research that people are doing in ways that engages a broader audience, because that's always the issue with academic books is that they tend to be pretty inward facing to other academics and I really want to think about how do you kind of push that work further and open it up to other people, right, who aren't necessarily in the academy. Are there, is there anything that you are hoping to do next or that you are aspiring to do next? What are some of your hopes for the future in your career and in your work? You know, I'm excited to have time to finish my book. Like that would be exciting. But, you know, I'm excited about different ways to 
bring more people into the kind of resources we have at the University of Chicago. So with my colleague, Kimberly Hong, we have what we call the Ethnography Incubator, where every year we bring six graduate students from across the country. We pay for them to come to UChicago and workshop their research here with us because we have a really vibrant faculty and we have a really vibrant workshop system. And a lot of universities don't have that. And so we want to think of ways to bring students who have fewer resources to campus so we can, you know, work with them and mentor them. You know, I have a new book series uh, with Patrick Jagoda and Ashlyn Sparrow, who's a game designer. Both are game designers and Patrick Jagoda is on the faculty at the UChicago, where we are publishing small books about individual video games. So that's with the University of Chicago Press. And we just got our first series approved. And so we're hoping to launch uh, next summer with our first four books for that series. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited about, you know, continuing to do work with the Gender and Sexuality Center and to work on fundraising and to really make UChicago like a destination place for doing gender and sexuality research in the humanities and the social sciences. So now I want to talk a bit or speak more a little more directly to students who might be considering a similar field as you or a similar career path as you. What advice would you have to a young person who is either interested in going into sociology or maybe specifically studying the sociology of gender or considering a path a path in academia or both? Um, what advice or guidance would you offer to a student who is considering that type of career path? Sure. So I think, you know, for undergrads, I'm always encouraging people like take a class in sociology, even if it's not social gender, like that might not be the thing that draws you in. But we have really great classes that teach you a lot about how to think about the world that we're living in right now. And, you know, when I think about how useful sociology is to lots of other career paths. So now the um, the MCAT, the test that people take to go to medical school requires that people have taken a sociology course, right? That they're because we realize that we need to, doctors need to know more about human relationships and like society and like social forces that might impact health disparities. Many of our undergraduates go into medicine or law if they don't go into um, a sociology PhD. And, you know, I think it's really, it, sociology just provides you a way of thinking about the world that I think can be useful um, in so many other careers. And it is a discipline where you get to do research and do writing and no matter what you want to do in the future, having good writing skills is always useful. <laughs> so I um, really encourage people to take, you know, any sociology class that kind of speaks to their interest and to see like what they get out of that, because I do think there's so much you can do with a sociology degree. So kind of my final question for our conversation today, I know we've talked, touched on this idea a bit, but I want to ask, what is the most gratifying part about what you do? I know we've talked about like the things that kind of feel the most fun. And I know you've talked about the the experience of working with students. But if you had to pick one thing, what would you say is the most gratifying part about your your current job and, and what you do? But I think the most gratifying part is being able to have a question about the world and to have the resources and the ability to formulate a research project and to do that, you know, to learn, you know, to to follow my interest and to really be able to build a project out of that and to, you know, answer the questions that are of interest to me. The fact that that's what I get to do in my job, I think is really amazing. Professor Schilt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a really great conversation. I appreciate it. 
Thanks again, Professor Schilt, for your time today. And course takers, if you enjoyed listening to today's interview, please check out the other ones. Leave us a comment, subscribe, follow, and share this episode with your friends and family. You can find out more about the University of Chicago through uchicago.edu or the university's campus in Hong Kong through uchicago.hk. Stay tuned for more. See you around.